are these gifts? Sister Florence, don't ask me to explain. I'm just as much in the dark as anybody else. All I know is I've got a Santa Claus bag here that gives everybody exactly what they want for Christmas. And as long as it's putting out, I'm putting in. <laughs> We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. Oh, oh are they coming through? They are coming through. Oh, what is that? Sleigh bells? It's, it's, a, it's a Christmas miracle. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I, I couldn't find any actual bells in my house, so I, uh, I found 18 minutes of Christmas sleigh bells on YouTube. <laughs> You're just not going to let So I don't know why you would need 18 minutes straight of that, but uh, it sounds like torture to me. Um, but you were just going to let that run on a loop the entire time as we talk is hear sleigh bells, this like jingling the entire time during the course of this episode. Hey, it's better than crickets, right? <laughs> um, I was really worried that was going to happen again tonight. So, um, because I, r- right now Cleveland is weird where it's, it wants to be fall, but there's times where it makes you want to sweat. So you're not sure if you want to put on like, you know, a hoodie or open a window and where I record, I have a window open in my office because I don't have central air because I'm not cool like that. So sometimes there's sounds that come in. And it was a couple weeks ago I was recording and I had crickets. I, there, I've never heard crickets in the city before. <laughs> and then as I was getting ready tonight, I heard some like bugs like chirping outside. I'm like, is this going to happen again in the middle of October? I was really worried that the crickets would come back. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. That was on your invasion of the podcast. Uh, it really made the flat jokes fall even flatter, and it made me laugh uh, <laughs> just because of that. So just, it worked know, out. I, like so, then they need to get some credit. I should probably like whatever my podcasting cash I get. You know, I should split it with the crickets. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, They're pr- those ones are probably dead. I think they only live like twenty four hours. <laughs> There's like, and, and that's all they heard was me talking. So they did not live a good life. I'll, I'll They'll live that. on forever. Yeah. So, to, to speaking of crickets, I got I got to complete the joke. So, uh, just real quick, uh, Kevin did join me on an, on Invasion of the Podcast uh, recently, talking about Halloween three, and I made the joke about how we were broadcasting in color that night because normally it's the Twilight Zone on this show, and it's in black and white. So, I got I got to I got to flip it back. crickets now we're back in black and white and now we're talking about the twilight zone man <laughs> that sound effect is so long <laughs> it is but like i went to go look for like light switch noises because i'm like well i'll find something but all you heard was click and that's all it was there was nothing fun about hearing this light switches click on and off and so so yeah that's a pretty long but you know hey the process going from color to black and white and black and white to color you got to give a little bit of time so uh, that's that's how far i went for a joke so crickets. Uh, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, most unusual camera. 
Um, I hope that you didn't listen to it near a window because that'd be bad. Uh, but we're going on from that and we're going on to a Christmas episode when we're about 10 days away from Halloween, actually. So this is a, a weird, a weird emotional shift. Yeah, it's it's hurting my soul right now. I'll put it that <laughs> well, put it lightly. Halloween's your favorite time of year. It is this month. I, I live for October and I really, you know, I, I went to the craft store today. So I'm having my nieces over over the weekend. We're going to do some Halloween crafts and watch some spooky kids Halloween movies and everything. It's going to be awesome. But so we go to the craft store and I had just rewatched this episode and all the Halloween stuff is like 50 to 60 percent off and all the Christmas stuff is there. Yeah. And I for the show, put on a smile and tried to put myself in the season. And you know what? I'm here, uh, bourbon barrel aged beer in hand, making myself jolly. Yeah. And what was it? Uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw the arrival of the winter slash Christmas beers at the local store. And I wanted to start like a bit of a riot between the Halloween people and the Christmas people and be like, <laughs> look at this. It's two weeks to go before Halloween. There's Christmas beers. And people were angry about it. And as much as I was angry about Christmas, sorry, Halloween beer showing up in August, which I then bought some because I do like my pumpkin beers. I went and bought some Christmas beers because I'm like, oh, I haven't had that for a while. So you have to, you gotta, you have to stockpile them because everyone pushes them out early and they're out of the warehouse by the time the uh, actual um, holiday comes. So you have to buy early and stockpile so you actually have the seasonal beers ready for the season right? that you're going into. So what's your favorite uh, like seasonal winter beer? Um, well, locally we have uh, Rheingeist out of Cincinnati. They have one called Dad, which is a hoppy holiday ale, and I'm a big fan of that one. It's got like a plaid can around it. It's hmm. pretty fun. Um, that's really good. I really enjoy Mad Elf by Trogues, which I think is from Pennsylvania, so somewhat regional. Um, yeah, those are probably my two favorites right now. The one, the one I like is uh, the Shiner Cheer out of Texas. Uh, yeah, that's that's a surprisingly good beer uh, for Christmas coming out of Texas. Because it's not heavy, like, because I, I feel like some Christmas beers get really heavy, and this one's more more light. And and the, for whatever reason, in Cleveland, the east side of Cleveland so, seems to stock it, but not the west side. So it's like, hmm. this, it, but I see it sometimes over here. But I was like, when I saw it a couple of days ago, I'm like, all right, it's time for some cheer. So I grabbed that. I drank yeah. way too much of it, you know. So I got I got really cheerful there for a second. Um, yeah, well, we have we have uh, Great Lakes Brewing Company here in Cleveland and their Christmas ale. Everyone loses their minds over it. Uh, it's it's good. I've just kind of gotten sick of that spicy holiday. Yeah, beer. Well, I was so say- I've been trying to find stuff. So a few companies like Rheingeist and I think you went to last holiday season had a hoppy holiday ale, and I'm I'm huge into like IPAs and all that stuff. So the fact that I can continue to drink hoppy beers through the winter and feel okay about it <laughs> is that's a win-win for me. Um, I, I happen to get the Ohio City oatmeal stout from uh, um, Great Lakes because it's mm-hmm. not as heavy, and I, I, that's what I'm that's what I'm drinking right now. I have this boot of a glass that holds three beers. And I figured in, in honor of uh, Art Carney as Henry Corwin that I would have <laughs> some Christmas beers as we talk about the night of the meek. So I figured that that's the best way to get in the holiday spirit, because when I think of Christmas, I think of just wanting to drink and not deal with family. So that this is perfect, you know, (laughs) so um, so it's season two, episode 11, uh, air date, December 23rd, 1960. 
Um, number one song, Are You Lonesome Tonight by Elvis Presley. Uh, number one film, Exodus. Uh, the only reason I want to mention that, other than it was number one film, is that the Oscar for Best Original Score went to this film, um, and, and it did and it, it beat out one other important film. And, I, and you'll appreciate this, Kevin, now that I have this knowledge. Uh, Elmer Bernstein's score for The Magnificent Seven lost to Exodus for Best Original Score. Oh, that's... And- <laughs> What score do people remember today? <laughs> right? Like listen- <laughs> I I can I can guarantee you I do not own the Exodus score on vinyl in my basement right now. Yeah, and the Magnificent Seven score, it's like it feels like that is like American Western one oh one. Like every time you yeah. hear that now. So so yeah, the fact that it lost out, I thought that was kinda kinda interesting. Um couldn't find anything for the actual day of the twenty third. Uh, the only thing I had here for the 22nd, because I like my space disasters, because that seems to what happens all the time here. Um, the Vostok K rocket, so it's a Russian rocket, made its maiden flight, carrying a satellite with two dogs, Komita and Stuka. Uh, an attempt to put the payload into orbit failed when the third stage rocket failed seven minutes into launch, but the dogs survived the landing, so it's a Christmas miracle. Yes. Oh man, that's amazing. We've had a lot I of animal like, death recently. Can, can we not start another episode on dead animals again? Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've had too many recently. <laughs> there is a sad story later involving the cast. We'll get to here in a oh. minute. But uh but yeah, there's no animals were harmed in the making of this episode. Maybe a cat was punched really hard, but we'll get there later. <laughs> All right, we'll jump into cast and crew here. So this episode, ooh, that beer's hitting me hard already. This episode was directed. (laughs) This episode was directed by Jack Smite, who we've talked about previously with The Lonely, and uh, recently on this season, another shot on video episode, uh, Lateness of the Hour. So they brought him back again. He had uh, he had talent working with shot on video stuff. So or shot on videotape, excuse me. So they brought him back for this one, and this episode was written by Rod Serling. I think I think they had Jack Smite direct all six of the video episodes because he had experience with that. So I thought it was four out of six. You might be right. I could be mistaken. I could also be drinking some oatmeal style right now, but I know this one, the directing <laughs> in this one is, of those episodes, it's, guys. Strap in. Um, <laughs> the, the the this is a much stronger episode but we'll we'll get to how i feel about this like i'll spoiler alert my feelings about what i thought this was going to be and what ended up being are way different so i'm really excited to talk about this nice all right so the cast we have art carney uh which you've mentioned earlier on the episode as henry corwin this was his only twilight zone episode he's a pretty well-known actor uh <laughs> embarrassingly enough the only thing i had known him from was last action hero <laughs> and that was his last movie too yeah that, that, yeah yeah um but he was in tons of stuff uh he was in the star wars holiday special i figured i mentioned that first <laughs> um he was pretty famous from being a comedian on the jackie gleason show he played the archer on the original batman series he was in muppets take manhattan he won an academy award for harry and tonto which is him going on a cross-country trip with his cat and I have never seen this film. You think it's and the same I cat from this? I really episode? want to see it now. It might be. <laughs> Maybe he just ended up in uh, the city and had his cat with him, and it got lost, and he was reunited. Well, it's funny that you you mentioned you you did not mention his most iconic role, which was as Ed Norton on the Honeymooners against Jackie yes. Gleason. Yeah, and yeah. Jackie I was Gleason. There. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, and Jackie Gleason said that without Ed Norton, 
like without um, Art Carney, there would not be the Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. So like he's very much he was like the the comedy relief on that show, which is considering this episode, like it you know it, it he he has a lot of range. Which whenever you find out he won an Oscar, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I just had to make sure I got to that Star Wars holiday special <laughs> before that. So right. it was that's, important. That's important. It is important. Um, next up, we have uh, John Fiedler, who plays Mr. Dundee, the store manager. Uh, he, uh, the thing that I knew him from was 12 Angry Men. He plays juror number two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was in one other Twilight Zone episode. He was most famously the voice of Piglet on Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, so you ready for the sad story? Oh, I so, don't know. Fiedler died of cancer on June 25th, 2005. Uh, and it was the day after his co-star and the Winnie the Pooh stuff, uh, Paul Winchell, who voiced Tigger, died. So Tigger died, oh. and then Piglet died. Isn't that like the saddest goddamn thing you've ever heard in your life? Yeah, that's that's really depressing. Yeah. Uh, but he was also in True Grit. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. We'll move on. But I just, I just I saw just that. It's I like, should bring something back there. That's just some like, I mean, it's not, there's not any type of like, you know, cosmic thing to it or whatever, but it's just like, oh, like you, you, you can't, you can't grow up without knowing Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Tigger. You just can't, you know, it's just one yeah. of those things. And to find just, out like the people that you, you liked to do the, do the voices and you hear Piglet so much in this episode. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like, oh, well that was a bummer of a story. And it was important enough for me to write down just to tell you as we were drinking beer. So. There you go. I'm going to bring bring the episode right down. No animals died, but a piglet and a tigger died later. Yeah, what are you talking about? Two animals died. <laughs> it's true. All right. And no two hor- tears fell into my beer. And no horses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no Hyperion. Uh, so next up, we have Robert Lieb, who plays uh, Officer Flattery, and or I don't I don't know if I pronounce that right. Flaherty? Yeah. Flaherty. Okay. Very Irish Uh, cop name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, This was his only Twilight Zone episode. He did a lot of bit roles here and there. Nothing he was too famous for. Never really got his big role. But uh, one of his later roles was a movie I enjoyed (laughs) recently, Mystery Men. Have you ever seen that? I was it your first time watching Mystery Men, like ever, or is something that you'd seen before? No, I, I saw it back in whenever it came out, the 90s. I, I love Mystery Men. It's not it's not a perfect film, but there's so much about that movie that cracks me up. So, yeah, I had to make a note that, that this guy's last movie was Mystery Men. Yeah, he played Old Man. <laughs> Which, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm guessing it's I, I'd the like beginning. to go back and watch that and try and find him in this. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the old man. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, also, what's his face? Um, the singer. Oh, shoot. Gravelly voice. Tom Waits has a really good role as like the inventor, like crazy professor doctor guy that makes like the, the pacifist weapons. And I, there's just a line in there where he is watching TV about what happens and he cares so little about the result of what happened with the heroes fighting the bad guy. He's just like, huh, wonder how that worked out. He's just eating cereal, watching TV the next morning. Cracks me up. <laughs> That's awesome. I probably missed that when I saw, when I saw it. Uh, next up, we have Val Avery, who plays the bartender. He had uh, a lot of interesting roles, but I only wrote down a couple. Magnificent Seven, there you obviously. Go. Yeah. Had to bring that up since you just reviewed that on the Invasion of the Blog, uh, Invasion of the Blogcast, yeah. uh, Invasion of the Podcast blog. Uh, he was also in a great Stallone movie called Cobra, 
and uh, wrote on Donnie Brasco just because he's got the look to be in those crime films like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just if you go to his IMDb page, he just looks like the informant bartender or something <laughs> or like the mob bartender. <laughs> and he would say, what am I, an informant? Because every yeah. one of his lines in this episode was like, what do I look like? Fort Knox or whatever he said. It was every every single, single thing was a joke. Yeah, and I saw multiple bartender roles when I was scrolling through his <laughs> filmography. So uh, apparently, it was typecast as that. So next up, we have Meg Wiley, who or Meg, yeah, Meg Wiley, got it. Uh, who plays Sister Florence? This was her only Twilight Zone episode, and the only other thing I wrote down for her. I don't know if you're a fan of it, but I got a soft spot for it. The Last Starfighter. That film is amazing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. So you you know that was directed by Nick Castle, right? I mean, you know that's that's uh, the guy who played Mr. Michael Myers in the original Halloween, and oh, so no, the, I, I didn't know that. So it's just it, I I find it interesting that that film was one of the first films to really use CG to tell a story, and he was part of one of the the most popular films to 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 have like a practical effect, like you know, very low budget. So he went from like a low budget film that like set the stage for all horror films, and then directed. Uh, the last Starfighter, which actually incorporated, you know, like future tech. Um, I love the last Starfighter; It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's really fun, really fun stuff. Um, I, I was introduced to the, that, uh, again, maybe embarrassing, but the clerks cartoon, they do a, <laughs> they do a whole last Starfighter episode where they're building pyramids on the game. And Randall is super, talented with the video game and he ends up <laughs> getting uh, brought into like an Indiana Jones uh, like slave pit where they're building actual pyramids. They're making him shove <laughs> stones around and stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. They're like, you've been chosen. <laughs> He's uh, got to go like build pyramids with a bunch of slaves. No. Um, yeah. So I also want to mention with her, but the last Starfighter was awesome. Uh, she was the original villain and the original Star Trek pilot, The Cage, which we've talked about oh. before on the show. Yeah. Um, and then she was also, oddly enough, and I just I just scrolling through her IMDb, uh, in an episode of Mr. Belvedere called Christmas Story. So I thought that was appropriate to bring up. Interesting. Nice. We should, we should do the uh, Star Trek pilot episode as a special one. We've talked so much star trek like and the, I know the actual cage it. like the original unaired one that they they turned into the like whatever it is later like the original one with um like because they you're talking about the original pilot or the one that they actually aired first i don't know because <laughs> the cage <laughs> the cage is the one that they originally made and then they they scrapped it uh because that was with jeffrey hunter uh who was in the yeah. lead and then they eventually ended up using this the cage in, in an episode called the glass menagerie later that they brought jeffrey hunter back in it was kind of a flashback and because leonard nimoy was still spock in the original pilot it, it actually kind of felt like the story kind of made sense so they found a yeah. way to use the original pilot in a story later on yeah i just feel like we've talked about star trek so much or uh, more so you have talked about star trek yeah. so much on this i feel like i need to watch something yeah, I and mean, I, maybe. And I think it would be entertaining to hear me just baffled on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we should find, like, well, like, there's actually an episode of Star Trek where somehow Spock's brain is taken out of his body. And so they have Leonard Nimoy walk around with, like, this, like, cap on his head that blocks his eyes. And I think he's trying to find his brain. And it's, like, the like the worst point of the original Star Trek. That might be the episode to watch for this show. Because that's the one that almost canceled it. 
that's fun. Yeah. Um, that's all I took notes on. I don't know if you have anything else, but there were a lot of background characters, a lot of kids, a lot of drunks at the bar. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have anything else. The no. only other person I didn't really look into her, Larian Gillespie, who plays the elf at the end of the episode, who was uncredited. But, yeah, I didn't really find much else. So you're right. There's yeah. like there's one person listed as old man, which that's everybody in this cast. Uh, yeah, and, and he yeah. had a lot of credits, but it was it was nothing that I could really find anything too exciting to talk about. about yeah, so um, Bert Mustin as old man. Yeah, there you go. So look, collect them all. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, that's it. That's what we got for cast and crew. Uh, let's get to a festive Rod Serling. This is Mr. Henry Corwin, normally unemployed who once a year takes the lead role in a uniquely popular American institution, that of the department store Santa Claus, in a road company version of the night before Christmas. But in just a moment, Mr. Henry Corwin, ersatz Santa Claus, will enter a strange kind of North Pole, which is one part the wondrous spirit of Christmas and one part the magic that can only be found in the Twilight Zone. And I say festive, not to jump too far ahead, but it really, really made me happy seeing Serling be part of the scene, uh, but wearing appropriate like winter gear as he did the intro. It was something about that was just a nice touch. Yeah, he sounded so happy too. He did. <laughs> no, I was just. Kidding. I mean, it's, just he sounded kidding. he sounded so Serling. It was amazing. But yeah. I love that he was wearing like a like a, a was it um it's just a coat and like a scarf and he had like all the fake snow falling all over him. It was just it was you could have easily just had him in his regular like suit and tie, and it would have made perfect sense because he's Rod Serling. He's the narrator of the Twilight Zone. But you know he actually dressed up for the part, and I, I that was just a nice touch uh, for an episode that had like a night a lot of nice uh, light touches that carried it through. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to get the, get this out of the way at the beginning of the episode. I have a weird soft spot for fake snow. I love the way it looks. It uh, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside when I see it. So this whole episode was just filled with fake snow. And I was like, I, I'm going to have to rewatch this around Christmas. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's just let's just get into it, because I feel like uh there's there's a lot of good here, and I that that's that's miracle number one. I was surprised by this. Like I I wasn't expecting the worst episode, but after the lateness of the hour being on on videotape as well, I I thought that they were going to be so limited in what they could do that I was like, yeah yeah yeah. And, and technically, this is uh, way above lateness of the hour. Yeah. as far as what they achieved um, shooting on tape. So yeah, we open at a department store. They have the uh, meet and greet with Santa set up and everything, and there's lines of families and kids waiting to meet Santa. And you hear the store manager saying that uh, Santa's gonna, he'll be here, he'll be here. And we get a cut to Santa Claus sitting at the bar, drinking what we find out is his sixth drink. <laughs> yeah, what well, the sign says Santa will return at six, and he's like, "Hey, bartender!" Like the bartender's like, "You told me it was supposed to be six thirty. So already he's like, you know, screwed up. Yeah. And the bartender, did you notice he misspelled Mary behind him as he was spray painting on the mirror? He spelled it M E R Y. Yeah. And it's, just, it's just a nice little touch of just like this guy just, you know, he just, he's not paying attention, you know, and, yeah, and he just doesn't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's a few drinks in and he's sitting there uh, and there are some kids knocking at the bar windows at the doors and uh, he's trying to ignore them and just keeps on drinking. 
And he's he's asking the bartender some uh, pretty serious questions about why there isn't a real Santa Claus. And I love that the bartender is just like, uh, what do I look like? Some kind of philosopher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what? who am I? Freud? Like, he just keeps going on and on. Um, but I, I liked when the kids were knocking on the glass because they were super excited. And even though he was trying to ignore them, he still couldn't help himself and turn and wave to them. It yeah. was a nice little moment of like, even at his his darkest, he still wants to make sure kids are, you know, not hurt by him, you know, and that's something you kind of get uh, through the whole thing. Um, but you, but then it cuts to this like POV shot of him talking directly to the camera, asking about Santa, and it's kind of not uncomfortable, but it's not what I was expecting. But it's it's just Art Carney directly like talking to you about why isn't there a Santa, and I just knew from that point that I was in for something like different than what I was expecting. Yeah, it's it's definitely different for the Twilight Zone from what we've seen. And to be honest, this episode doesn't feel like a Twilight Zone episode. It's it's strange. Yeah, I mean, it, that's true. I mean, just uh, it, it it feels like a win win all around, which is not how we've gotten a lot of the story so far and not to jump ahead to the end. It's a Christmas story, right? So you got to have yeah. some hope, right? And we've had fun episodes, but there's always been kind of that, like, be careful what you wish for. And this one, there is some conflict, and we'll get to that in a minute, but there was never any doubt the entire time that this wasn't going to be, you know, like, because how, how terrible would that be? Like, I'm Rod Serling. Here's a drunk that's, that's Santa. Bad stuff's going to happen to him. The end. He Good falls night. out a window. <laughs> he falls out a window. <laughs> he, thinks he's, he, he thinks he could fly in a sleigh with reindeer, like, slides off the roof and dies. What if that was uh, the ending of the episode where you see him just take off and it's just like, <laughs> and he fell to his death because there was no reindeer. That would be amazing but also terrible at the same time <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> uh, but no i was i was reading about this episode because it is very lighthearted, and i guess the twilight zone at this point was starting to pick up a younger viewership so there was some speculation that serling was starting to write a few teleplays that were geared more towards kids yeah i don't know if there's any truth to that i don't know if you've read that in any of the books that you have um, the only thing I had here to, to go to that is uh, uh, Buck Houghton, who is the producer that has some mm-hmm. really good stories in all the books I read, uh, said the reason they did a Christmas show is because Serling really wanted to see Art Carney play Santa Claus because yeah. he, ha- he got this idea in his head and he just couldn't shake it. And he started writing just for just the realization of seeing Art Carney play Santa because Carney's a, a thin, gangly guy that is much more known for his like com- you know comedic timing. And so this is that was the gestation of what happened, and, and it ended up as this. Um, Which it should be known that he worked with Art Carney on uh, Playhouse ninety yeah. that we've talked about previously. So I mean, so it, it's more. I think it's, it was more that Serling had a, a clear vision of what he wanted to have happen. But I also feel like Serling's a family guy, and and generally he wants the best for humanity. And I think that no matter what story he's telling, it's always like, whether it was like, uh, um, well, Time Enough Last, he didn't write, but he you know, certainly presented it for the Twilight Zone. And it was bleak, but it was more of just like he, he expects man to be better than that. And with this, too, it's like he wanted to, he, he actually speaks to a lot of, of things that it seems like it's very universal. And in a lot of ways, 
this episode is kind of old timey in the sense of like we like we we live in the Cleveland area and everybody here watches a Christmas story on a loop and it feels very much locked in that time. But the message here and the struggle that um, Art Carney's character has is timeless. And there's there's bigger ideas here. Yeah, and it, it speaks to directly what I'm sure we'll get there later on in this episode, what my problems with Christmas are. And uh, this episode kind of speaks to my issues. So I, I can appreciate it, but I don't want to jump the gun too much here. Yeah, I, I, yeah. so um, but he eventually he doesn't finish his sandwich at the bar, which you know, he should have because he was drinking a lot. You all you, you got to eat something. Come on. Come on, Santa. You're better than that. Uh, but he also tries to take take a drink of the bottle because the, the bartender's distracted because he's getting a call from the department store. And, and he threatens to break Santa's shoulder blades, which is very, very <laughs> uncomfortable. And that may show up later. Um, wink. Uh, but it was very like just he, <laughs> I like oh, he's like, oh, I'm just the bartender. I'm just kind of talking to you. Also, I will kill you if you touch that bottle again. <laughs> I'm t- Donnie Brasco. There's a reason I mentioned it. <laughs> so so he sends him on his way um, and, and Henry ends up back at uh, at the department store. Well, um, he he walks across the street first, yeah. and uh, a bunch of kids come up to him. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, they're surrounding him, and they're like Santa, Santa, and they're asking him for all these things that he can't <laughs> give them. And he, you see the tears in his eyes and everything, and he's hugging the kids. And that's when we finally get Serling's opening narration. Is that, at that point? That's right. And um, so that's that's a really that also let me know that this was not going to be anything I was expecting. You know, like the fact that he was like sobbing. Yeah. We're not getting bad Santa 1960. No, you know, and he's these kids are all asking for things. And and one of the things one of the kids asked for, I just got to play real quick. And I was kind of like, wait, what? What did he ask for? Please, I want a gun. That was really weird. They asked for a gun. I know it was a toy, a toy gun. gun. No, he, he, he wanted. Wants, a, he, he's he wants like, listen, a goddamn gun. He's like, listen, my dad doesn't have a job. I got to pack some heat, Santa. You got to bring it to me. Uh, but like, he's gonna, he's gonna go hold up that bar. He's got to deal with right? that, <laughs> that bartender. Yeah, just like a uh, different time. You know, I, I get it. But it was really weird when I heard that. I'm like, I had, to, I had to bring that on the show, and I, I kind of want to keep that. I just want to kind of keep him just saying, please, I want a gun. Because you just that feels very, like. That applies to a lot of things, but, uh, so, but I like that art Carney, like he, so, um, you talk about your problems with Christmas and I'm sure we'll get into that more later. I'm not a big Christmas guy. Uh, it's just, it's just one of those holidays that I appreciate the friends and family aspect of it. I'm not a big fan of everything else. That's just my own personal opinion. I do like giving gifts cause I think that's an important thing just to make sure people know that they're valued regardless of what time of year it is. But if it happens to be around Christmas, great, you know, um, but like, I didn't expect this episode to hit me because since I'm not really a Christmas guy, I was like, oh, great. Watch a Christmas episode in October, right around Halloween. This Everything about this felt wrong. Just when he's crying, like, like holding these children, I found myself already getting pulled in and getting a little weepy. Like, I'm just like, what is happening to me? Why is the Christmas spirit filling me in this one episode that's like 50 years old <laughs> when nothing else, nothing else breaks my heart when it comes to Christmas? Yeah. And, and I don't know what it is, but this one really got me. Yeah. So after that, he goes back into the store and uh, they have a little toy train set up 
that's uh, that's going around little mancher train and he ends up crashing the train <laughs> on the train set <laughs> it was a pretty good I, a metaphor I it was very 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 appropriate for him to be like watch this oh it's off the tracks much like my life yep so he gets yelled at by the store owner who's telling you know yelling at him for being drunk and being late and he still lets him go up onto the uh onto santa's chair there well i mean what else Which, choice does he have you know like the kids yeah, want to see santa. i guess I, I feel like I would not let a drunk Santa Claus go there and have little kids sit on his lap. But, I mean, that's fine. He needs a Santa. Yeah. So the, fir- the first kid that goes up there, this is my favorite part of the episode, is a kid named Percival S- Smithers, <laughs> I believe it was. Yes. And <laughs> so Henry asks him what he wants for Christmas, and he says a new first name. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love it. Oh, that kid is so annoying and his mother. So he puts him down and uh, he ends up falling out of the chair and uh, the mother's, uh, you know, she's she's the uppity, uh, rich, uh, rich character. And she's like, I'll never shop at your store again. And the manager is trying to apologize to her. And this little kid was cracking me up the whole time. I don't know if you watched him at all during the scene, but he just had his like his chin raised up in the air and he wouldn't look at the store manager. <laughs> it was I, incredible. You talking about you talking about Smithers cuz he had this like yeah. smi- smile on his face and he's like Santa's loaded. I remember yeah. him saying that. <laughs> and it was it was like it was a funny scene. Uh, but like Carney, like you know, he falls down like trying to grab presents or whatever and that's actually it's it's funny but it's not, you know. And you worry, and it's like you expect this to go darker than what it does, you know, and it, and it doesn't in the sense that uh, when when Piglet yells at him, you know, about like whatever, and I wrote my notes here a couple times. Piglet is a dick, is what I wrote here a couple times. Uh, yeah. he, he's like he's like you you know you you know, you can't do this. You you know I'm letting you go. And there's this wonderful speech that comes out of nowhere where he's like, you you know you can let me go because of my insubordination but you can't let me go because I was, I was not rude to her. And it's like, he has a point. Like he wasn't being rude. He was just being not good at his job. And the fact that like this guy who was like, just, you know, falling his butt drunk is like telling the manager, like, fine, I respect why you're letting me go, but I want you to make sure you know why you are. And then he explains why he is the way he is. And it is one of the most heartbreaking moments. in like, I don't know, in a long time since I've, anything I've watched, and especially yeah. the Twilight he talks zone. about that he has to drink because it's between drinking or weeping. Yeah. And how Christmas is. He just wants her to know that Christmas is more than shopping and pushing people out of the way to get what you want. And it's about patience, and love and charity and compassion and all this stuff. And you're right. It, it is a fantastic little monologue from him. Well, he uh, says, like, either I can drink or weep and drinking is much more subtle. And it's like, holy crap, that's like one of those like sledgehammer statements. And then he talks about how he walks down the streets drinking and he sees like he he, he, well, basically sees hungry kids and shabby people is what he says. And but he wants to imagine seeing happy kids and elves and Santa's workshop. Yeah, he wants to pretend it's the North Pole and he's actually Santa and he wants to help these kids who are hopeless. And I think he says dreamless. And uh, and that's where we get the the meek thing because he wants to see the day where the meek inherit the earth. And he's like, and that's why I drink, and that's why I weep. And it's like, like I just you know, and a young Tom York heard that, and Radiohead was born. You know, like that's how it feels. <laughs> like just it is just it's and he he delivers it in such a way that it's heartbreaking, but it's sincere and it's not over the top. And it's like it's very. 
I, I don't know. Like I, again, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna gush over a Christmas episode of the Twilight Zone, and that is the greatest miracle of all. Like it's just it's his his performance is amazing, and that, that's yeah. You know, it, it, it's no surprise seeing that he won an Academy Award. Like I I'm not shocked at all after seeing this. Yeah. Because say what you will about production levels, which I think again this is higher than lateness of the hour, but it's not as good as some of the Sean film stuff that they've they've done. Um, but the performance from art Carney in this is enough to hold it up with some of the better episodes we've covered. Absolutely. So he gets booted out of the store and he goes to the bar. He tries to get back at the bar and it's, it's kind of a funny moment where he's like knocking on the glass. Like the kids were and the bartender <laughs> waves him off and like the drunks are in the bar and they're like, it's Santa. And he's like, Santa's a lush. And he just like dismisses <laughs> Santa. And then Santa wanders into an alley and you hear like, uh, like a, like um, a music box type of, uh, like tiny like piano playing first Noel. And it's something about that is very appropriate. Like the music in this is all stock, but it's used really there you go. Oh. I think yeah, and then he hears the sleigh bells. <laughs> he hears the sleigh bells. But That's, that thing is still playing, by the way. In still, the background. Oh good. Um there so you just cue me when you want those. Perfect. But he walks <laughs> Hopefully by they're coming through. He walks by a sack they are. They, he walks by a sack that has a cat on it that um that cat doesn't make a cat noise. Let's, let's, let's just put it this way. I happen to have that cat noise. And, and so it's not a gun. It's this. I guess that's a cat noise, but that's someone like like beating up a cat. And this cat's angry, and it jumps off the bag, and the bag spills in front of him, and it's full well, of cans. It was, yeah, it was stuck in a bag full of cans. <laughs> I would make that sound, too. <laughs> It was just very like you. You, I, I get it. That's like, oh, we don't have the cat actually making like a a scared noise. We'll just make it like an angry noise that it was being bothered. Um, but then you know he sees the the bag with the cans, and then he hears sleigh bells. So that actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns around, and the bag is full of presents. And that's that's actually really a sweet moment. And he realizes that he gets his chance to actually give give to people. And he runs out like, you know, saying it's like, you know, a Merry Christmas and a turkey dinner to you or whatever he says. I don't know. That's that's not from this. Um, but he's really excited and starts handing out gifts to people. And then he like and that's the that's the commercial break. And then he ends up at the 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 drunk shelter. I don't know what you would call that. That's probably not yeah. drunk shelter is probably not the right word. The mission, the, <laughs> the mission. shelter. I I don't know. Not it, probably not the a mission because yeah. it's got a it's got a nun in charge of it. So it's some sort of uh, Christian thing. Yeah, so he so goes running into the hobo junction, and he has, and, yeah. and, and, and so and the guy, the one guy is in front of him, probably old man, so is like, hey, he ran into Walmart. <laughs> um. And they're like, hey, we don't know what's going on, but Santa's giving out presents. And then they interrupt the woman playing the piano singing, which I know this was all shot on tape and, and like live to tape. Her voice was like, it was, it was okay, oh, it was but it wasn't shrill, great. Yeah. And about 10 decibels too loud, if that, <laughs> like maybe more than that. Yeah. So he comes running in and he's super happy. And every, and every time anybody asks for anything, it's in the bag, like a pipe, a smoking jacket. Uh, the one guy can't talk or there's not voicing what he wants, but then he pulls out a cane, hands it to him. It's all very like sweet. And the lady that uh, is running the, the hobo depot, um, yeah, she's sister Florence. Just, she yeah. gets all upset about it and just walks out. 
Yeah. And then she she ends up coming back in with a police officer. Uh, officer, what is it? Uh, Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah. Flaherty? Something, whatever. Yeah, I don't o- know. Officer Irish. I don't know. So he's in with yeah. Officer Irish. And um, and, and basically, I, I like that interaction, though, because he's walking Henry out. And and Henry's like, oh, I was just at the bar having a drink, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the bar, I know the bar. And then it's, there's that brief interaction of like, um, I forget the name of the bartender, but it's not the guy running the place, or the guy who owns the place. And he's like, yeah, it was so-and-so working, not the guy that runs the place. He's like, yeah, I know him. And it was kind of a funny, like, quick quick back and forth between them. And he, and um, Henry's trying to explain to him what's going on. And then he's like, after you. And he just leads him into the police station. It, that's yeah. actually pretty funny. Yeah, so he's saying that these objects are all stolen. And surely enough that this, the store manager who just fired him walks in and he's assuming that these objects were stolen from the store he was working at. Yeah. And uh, probably one of my favorite insults I have heard in a while. Uh, he calls him a moth-eating Robin Hood. <laughs> that's yeah, good. it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I just like that as he's like talking to the cop, I, I meant to mention, like he's like telling the whole story. And he's like, oh, and I had a sandwich I couldn't finish. It's like, don't go change your history. You didn't want to eat it. You were drunk. It's fine. But I like that he mentioned the sandwich in his story that we saw earlier. <laughs> but yeah, as uh, as Piglet's there saying, oh, he took all my stuff. I can't wait to send him up the river. Um and they start pulling stuff out of the bag that's supposed to be stolen merchandise and it's cans again, which is a nice gag because Piglet's pulling and, out cans. And the cat comes yeah, back out. It was can, can, cat. Please, oh, I no, that's a gun. Can. Here's a cat. There you go. <laughs> he didn't pull like, a gun out. That would have been a way different story. Uh, yeah. But I love that he pulls the cat out. The cat, like, he's, it's like that poor cat was in that bag from the beginning of the shot. And I felt really bad <laughs> for the cat. But, it was, yeah. but I liked he was looking away as he's grabbing stuff out of the bag. It was a good, it was a good moment. And yeah. then, and, and th- did you hear what uh, Henry calls the bag? Yes, I made, <laughs> I made, I wrote that all the caps in my notes. He's like, I don't know, it's a most unusual bag. <laughs> what if he pulled the camera out? That would right? been fantastic. And considering that these episodes were not shot. And see, like they were not broadcast in sequence. That's really funny that that was brought up like immediately after that episode. Yeah, it uh, must have just been a popular like turn of phrase or something maybe. most unusual, you know, like Mortal Kombat uh, that was brought yeah. up like back to back episodes. There is no Mortal Kombat in this Christmas episode. No. Uh, so to prove to the store manager um, that this bag actually does what Henry is saying it does. He asks him, what do you want for Christmas? He says, I'll take a cherry brandy from 1903. And Henry pulls it out of the bag, of course. And he's shocked. Uh, Dundee is shocked. So he goes back out and he's handing out all the toys to all the kids and everything. And in the background, I love you start hearing the clock. And it's, it's getting to midnight. And he hands the last toy to the kid and Christmas is over and he's sitting there and the old man comes out of the mission and he's, he's like, Oh, there's nothing for you in there. He's like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I've, this has been the nicest Christmas ever. And, you know, I've always just wanted to be the biggest gift giver of all time. And he says, if he had to ask for one thing, he wishes that he could do this every year. And it's such a nice little moment. It's a, like you said, they they capture the spirit of Christmas so well in some of these scenes in this episode. Yeah, and it's just like when he goes and wanders back to the alley because he leaves the the, the sack because it's empty because it has no more gifts to give. 
and he walks back and sees the sleigh and and the elf that surprises him. And I love the look of shock on his face. And yeah. she, and they're like, "Are right, we're ready to go?" And it's like he takes him a moment to realize, like. I get to be Santa and it's a really wonderful moment when he can't, it's almost too good to be true. And then he gets on the sleigh and he's like, you know, whatever he does to work the, the reins, it's very over overactive, but it's like purposeful because he's excited. That's such a wonderful moment. Like the last thing you see Henry is that, that life's over that he was so upset about. He actually gets to do the thing he wants to do. He'll put in the work and make sure kids are happy once a year. And it yeah, was a really great, good moment. In, in any other scenario like this, you'd be like, well, hold on. Like, uh, what what about your whole life and everything? But you already get from this guy that he has nothing to live for. So the fact that he would just jump into the sleigh and take over this position as Santa Claus, you don't – there's no disbelief there. Like, you would just – you take it and run with it. Like, yeah. he's, he's going to be Santa Claus. Yeah, and then and then they end the episode with the thing that they do for all all productions. They can't show something expensive. They have um they have Piglet and and uh you know Officer Irish walking along the sidewalk, <laughs> and, and 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 Piglet's drinking like drank like half that bottle of brandy, and they're like, "Well, did you just see that?" And they're like, "Yeah, that we did." And they're talking, and I and I love. I swear that that Piglet's hitting on that cop. He's like, you know what we oh, should do? Yeah. We should go back to my place and have some coffee and put some more brandy in the coffee. And he's like, you know what? That's a good idea. And that's kind of the end of the episode is <laughs> that, you know, there was a love connection made that night. Um, but then, and, and, you know, so that's the way it ends. And there's like the closing narration. And then I don't know if you noticed it on the, the Netflix version, you have Serling's narration. And then there's a quick switch when they add him wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Yeah, um, I did wrote down. I, I wrote down audio gets a little bit weird at the end. There's a reason. I was wondering that, what yeah. was going on with that. That was cut after the initial broadcast. Like for for whatever they did reruns, for whatever reason, they cut Sterling wishing everybody a Merry, Merry Christmas out of the episode. And it's hmm. it's I don't know why that is. Um, it's just, but I, I'm glad that they put it back in because you could tell that he he loved the story. He loved Henry. And it was, it's a, it's a good story and just something about, there's a lot of times where music was overpowering in this episode, but every time they brought in that little tiny, like music box sounding first Noel, it just got me. And I yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this is all stock music, yeah. but whatever they did pick for this episode worked because there were a lot of traditional Christmas songs and it, they would have this almost like dark slant to them. Yeah, it was, and it it really worked, and I was surprised to see that it was actually just stock music, because it was it was effective in the episode. But I just want to bring up the fact that Serling was raised Jewish. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I just uh, he was raised in a Jewish family, um, so for him to have written a pretty solid Christmas story is really fun <laughs> well i think he, i think he boiled it down to what is important about the holiday season right yeah and i was trying to do some research on this and it got it was like you you clearly we know the santa claus that we know now like a lot of that was because of coca-cola in the early 20th century and there's a whole thing about that but yeah i i thought maybe that wasn't completely like in place and like 1960 and it was full tilt, you know? So yeah, that, that was like the, the major start of consumerism yeah. coming into Christmas. And I, we were kind of hinting at, hinting at it at the beginning, 
that's the thing I can't stand about Christmas. Like I, I love spending time with my family and everything. I love seeing friends and, um, I, I love the idea of Christmas, but when I have to go shopping <laughs> yeah, in the middle of December, it brings out the worst in people. And I, it drives me crazy and it really does kill the spirit of the season for me. And it's, it's the reason I've kind of veered away from loving Christmas. Cause I just get tired of it. Like it's just such a monster. Like they're already airing Christmas advertisements on TV at this point. It's become such a juggernaut of a uh, moneymaker. And even at this point, this is really the commercialization of Christmas. Like I said, was during this time in the fifties and sixties. Um, and it, I think you speak to the timelessness of this episode. I think it's directly correlated to that because Christmas has only gotten bigger as a commercial entity like that. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with that. I, I feel like the large department store thing, I mean, they, we don't go to department stores anymore. Yeah, um, that, but that's gone. Still, but I mean, look at Walmart with yeah. people. Uh, you know, he talks about pushing others out of the way to get what you need. Look at black Friday sales. Now yeah. like that's imagine if Serling had written something that dealt with the concept of black Friday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I think this would have had a much darker turn to it. Um, he'd be like, imagine a situation in which people kill each other for a, a doll that laughs when you tickle it, you know, yeah. like, he'd be like, that's but a stupid think- idea. I think the fact that he was raised Jewish and had this appreciation for the American tradition of Christmas, I think it took somebody like that to step in, like it almost as like an outsider, like, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. You know, like, I wish my family celebrated Christmas. I think I read somewhere that he always tried uh, to get his family to like put up a Christmas tree or something and uh, his family would not have it. So he was always just kind of infatuated with Christmas and well, I think it Christmas took somebody like that to write such a nice Christmas story like that. I, I think Christmas when you distill like the, the Santa Christmas, not like the, the Judeo Christian Christmas, yeah. Yeah. when you take the Santa Christmas and the season of giving and all that, I think it's an easy approach for everybody because, well, I mean, it used to be, I don't know about so much anymore because there's a war on it. I don't know if you know about that. Um, <laughs> That that was like the middle ground for everybody, like because it was Santa's not like there was a Saint Nick, whatever. But Santa Claus is not a saint. He is just an overweight dude that somehow fits in chimneys and gives presents. And he's a good guy. And I think that was something that people could all approach no matter what your belief was or how you celebrated the season. And I feel like that was the great equalizer. And then somewhere along the way, it started getting like just twisted into whatever i'm not to get political but there's people that like want to turn it into something that it's not when clearly coca-cola was just trying to sell coca-cola and we've all bought into that but like santa you know the 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 u.s santa of the the jolly you know wants to give gifts which is very much different than like you know um uh, what is it over in was it Sweden with the 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 oh with Krampus Krampus and then there's also the Saint Nick that punishes kids you know whatever um, yeah like there's there's a lot darker takes on Santa Claus the the North American version is a lot more tamed down and it's a lot more approachable and I think that Serling like, there's something inherently appealing of just saying you know what we all got through the year together and it's almost done can we just be nice to each other. 
Yeah, the, I the, can relate to that because I know I've spoken on the show. Like, I don't consider myself religious at all, but I still do celebrate celebrate Christmas. Yeah, I mean, and so so like it yeah. is. There is some common ground with that. Um, I I don't celebrate the religious aspects of it like a lot of people do, but there is that common ground where it's just like. Hey, you know this is gonna be nice. We're all gonna we're all gonna sit down as a family or as friends or as well, you know, whatever, and we're all just gonna be nice to each other. We're gonna <laughs> do something good, you know. Like yeah. I, I try and give to a charity uh, every uh, December. I've done it a few times, <laughs> not every year, but you know, like we try and do something nice outside of the family and friends and everything, and. Um, it's it's just something as not being religious. There's still that common ground, like you said. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, it, the, um, I kind of view it and and same thing. I almost view Thanksgiving more as the time to sit down and appreciate what you have. Yeah, and, and I um, I love Thanksgiving for that because there's not that consumerism surrounding it. Yeah, so it is strictly uh, spending time with loved ones. Yeah, and and it, that I can get on board with a lot more than having to go out and fight people in a Best Buy parking lot to get <laughs> you know the the deal on that uh, on that Avengers Blu-ray at right. seven o'clock in the morning. So that makes me that makes me think I, I did go to a Best Buy <coughs> uh, on a on a Thursday night or whatever the day after I can't remember which it was like two years ago, and not that there was a line. I just I I forget what I was trying to buy that night. It was actually it was a monitor actually, and it was on sale. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just go see if it's there. I ended up picking up a copy of Jurassic World on Blu-ray for like ten bucks because it just come out. Ask me how many times I've watched that movie since I bought it. Uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's a good buy. I'll pick that up. It's not a bad movie, but I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll watch Jurassic World. I, and I have not watched it in like the two years I've owned it. But I was like, $10, that's a good buy. So that tells you all you need to know about my buy, buying prowess for the season. I'm not a big Christmas guy. And, I, and it, it, it's just one of those things that like I feel like there's a lot of pressure to react a certain way to the season. And I feel like, not and to tie it back, I feel like uh, Henry felt the same way too. You know, and mm-hmm. and I that and everything he's frustrated about is how I feel about it too. I'm hypocritical because I'm not going out with a sack full of gifts and handing them out. You know, uh, yeah. like cats and cans and, and guns and whatever. But I still agree with the whole like, just be nice and kind to each other, which is something we should do year round. But it's like, you're, it feels like this is the season that brings the absolute worst out of people. And then they turn around and say, oh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And that's what that's what Henry had a problem with. Yeah. But yeah. Th- th- like you said, it's it's timeless. Yeah, it's it, it's a surprisingly uh, solid episode. And like I said, I've seen this before. This was it's been a long time since I've seen it. But this is one I've seen before. And uh, I it really did hit me harder than I expected it this time. I, you know, it we're a week away from Halloween and I was not expecting to get the feels from a <laughs> from a Christmas episode. I, I think so, it, as you hats get, off to Serling. As you get older, you you start to appreciate the time that you have, and I think that's kind of. And I feel like Christmas is one of those kind of like always knocking at your door, just like how how many times do you have to appreciate those around you? So, it, I think it hits harder as you go along. Um, and and not that I'm saying that you're you're old. I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm getting there, but whatever. I, I feel like that's one of those ones that like this wouldn't have phased me like ten years ago. Now I'm almost like openly crying watching this episode. And <laughs> well, it, that's what watching it when I was a kid, like this probably didn't hit me emotionally at all. Like I was probably like, Yeah, this sucks. Like put on put on the one with the monster on the wing, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Um so yeah, I'll just say um that this was a very surprising episode. I absolutely adored it. And if you would have told me at the start of this experiment of watching all of Twilight Zone, you know, in sequence, that the one that I'd probably have one of the biggest, strongest emotional reactions to was the shot on videotape uh, <laughs> Christmas episode, I would have laughed at you. Like, that's like, and everything, like, in this, I don't believe in like Christmas miracles and all that, but it's like, it, it knocked me on my ass with how much. I truly liked this episode and I will say it's my favorite one so far of the season. And I oh, just, wow. I didn't, I didn't know how I, I just did not know, you know? So like, it's just cause it's, it's sweet. It, it, the humor works. Cause sometimes Serling with his humor, it's a little, it's a little flat. Um, Art Carney is, I think he's the reason this episode works at all. It's just, he is so good in it. Um, also with how, how flat lateness of the hour left me seeing this on videotape. I mean, I'm not trying like they're two different stories, but I, I thought because of the videotape format that they'd be limited in how they could tell a story. And clearly that's not the case because there's dynamic camera movements in here. They're not the most focused because they're using video and not film because there's, there's times where it gets a little blurry. And it's a little weird, but they're trying to tell yeah. a story. Um, and there's a bit where he's crossed the street and a car drives by him. These are big sets. And it's like, it's one of the only regret I have about this episode is that it was not filmed. That's my only regret about the whole thing. Yeah, this, this would be, uh, probably listed as one of the, I know this is a fan favorite. I know this is regarded pretty highly, but this would probably be one of the top episodes if it was shot on film, uh, to speak to your production values on this, the tracking shots in this are incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if it weren't for the fact that the picture quality was kind of bad and like you said, things are out of focus and soft, um, this would have been a masterfully shot episode because and it, who knows if they would have done the tracking shots because the fact that they were doing those is probably because the cameras were so heavy and everything. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I was really blown away and you talked about the the scene with the car coming and he crosses the street and everything goes in the alley for the first time. That's like a one take scene. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's all done on like one dolly tracking shot and it's, it's incredible. Like it's really good compared to lateness of the hour where it's just static, almost soap opera camera work. Uh, this was a huge step up and I'm less apprehensive going into the next couple shot on video episodes, which I, I don't think they're, I think we have a little break from shot on video after yeah. this point. Um, but I'm way less apprehensive going into those. Cause now I know that they can actually do some sort of visual storytelling with those cameras. Yeah. Um, like I feel like had this been made into like a feature length film, it'd probably be one of my favorite holiday films of all time. And I feel like this could be stretched to a feature with him like having more opposition in the start and then more miracles happening along the night, you know? And it's yeah, like, at it, this time you probably could have gotten away with like a 70 minute, uh, feature. Yeah. And that, just, that would have been interesting. And th there's no malice in here. There is some opposition from the store manager and, um, the piano lady. And that's, you know, and you, you want that because you already have the baseline that is Henry. 
So when he starts actually saying, Hey guys, I have gifts. Of course your instinct's going to be like, I don't know where those came from, you know? And, and I like that there's that real world, like, Oh, well, this is a drunk. He probably stole it. And there's, there's a hard reality there. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I can't just, I mark it. I can't recommend the Christmas episode enough. And that's, that's not me. Like that's, I don't know. Like I'm not like, like I, you have your holiday movies. I'm sure that you like to watch. Like for me, yeah. it comes down to how oh, I do. Like I, I like national lampoons, Christmas vacation. That one's always great. And there's a, it. there's a heart to it as well. And then yeah. like, then, then like elf elf. I, I love that movie. People can judge me, whatever. But I remember seeing that in the theater. I was laughing so goddamn hard at that movie. And this was like, that was like the coming out party for Will Ferrell, you know, like aside from um, old school, but this was his first like feature on his own. I howled through the first three quarters of that movie and I love it, but I'm not a big sentimental. Like, I mean, you got a Christmas story, but I feel like that's now been so shoved down our throats, partly because it was shot in Cleveland, but just because TNT shows it on a loop. You know, and that's a sweet movie, but I'm kind of done with it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, my Christmas movies uh, are not as sweet. <laughs> I another Bob Clark film, Christmas Story. Um, another one that he does is Black Christmas. I'm a big Which, fan of that one. Amazing film. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's one of the best slasher films ever made. Um, the use of Silent Night in that the song. I, whew, I could just let those credits play. The ending of that movie is loop. that is yeah. That is a monster I could just let ending. that play and just fall asleep on the couch uh, all night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I'm trying to look behind me. I have all my Christmas movies. Well, I know, I know. My friends like of course watching they're Die covered Hard. up with the uh, Chuck Norris uh, <laughs> <laughs> laser discs, so I can't see him. That's funny. Um, yeah, I, I like Elf. Uh, one that's a big family favorite is Santa Claus, and <laughs> that's the one with him versus the devil. Yeah, you. <laughs> Yeah, which we had a discussion off uh, off mic the other day about that. And um, yeah, stay tuned. I might force Paul through that one. I, I will I will bring it. Uh, bring it. That's fine. Like that's uh, I will watch that movie. But I don't like I just I'm not a big like like my, my wife who when you mentioned that Rod certainly was rage is Jewish. She was as well. And Christmas is her favorite holiday. And it's like it's so it's funny to me. That like, you know, you're raised like in one like belief system and it's like, but I like the one with the tree way more. And <laughs> like she loves Christmas and she loves Christmas movies. And it's like and like I, I, I understand it, but I'm just like, can we watch something else? But the nope, it's Christmas. Like if, if, if she had her way, there'd be a tree up now. Yeah. And, and to be honest, uh, a lot of the animated stuff. Um, Oh my god! I, like I, the Peanuts Christmas stuff, that that's a good special. Like even I know it gets really super the, religious. The Rankin and Bass stuff, uh, that's good stop too. motion. I'm a big fan of all that stuff. Um, to be honest, like I I'm a bigger fan of Christmas than I let on. <laughs> I, you know, I'm that hardened horror fan. You know, like and, and hail Satan and everything. So like I'm not allowed to love Christmas, but I. I put up a front, but there's a lot of Christmas stuff that I enjoy. I just, to be honest, it's the same things. Like you said that Henry in this episode complains about It's just, it's exhausting. Yeah. Like it's, it's an exhausting season. I get tired of the commercial aspects of it. I get tired of, uh, the hypocrisy of it and everything. It just, it's, it's too much sometimes, but when it comes down to like the middle of December to Christmas, like those couple weeks before, 
I'll throw on my Big Bad Voodoo Daddy Christmas album. I'll throw on my Brian Setzer Christmas album. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get in the spirit. I'll throw on my Rat Pack Christmas. I love it. But it just it's too much. Yeah. When it starts in, in October and there's like a quarter of the year is invested into Christmas <laughs> and Christmas shopping. I just can't handle it. No, I agree. And I just I, part of it is because I worked over a decade in retail. And that yeah, is like, that, that'll do it. That'll yeah. kill anyone's Christmas spirit. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to say that the sleigh bells have ended and now uh, now there's pure Arctic wind playing in the background. That that seems like that's probably more appropriate for your life. You're just like, it's moody. It's dark. It's just wind. That seems like something that you just have running all the time in the background, no matter what. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, oh, I, I just a side note when we were talking about Halloween three on the other show that I do, someone has a YouTube video up of 10 hours of the happy, happy Halloween song from the silver shamrock oh, commercial just 10 stop hours. Just stop it. <laughs> I can't get through three minutes. Why would someone punish us with 10 hours, but they have it. I think that would be the <laughs> ultimate torture. Be like, we're going to stick you in a room and make you listen to this for 10 hours, but that's neither here nor there. So, um, real quick, just other notes I have here real quick about the episode because we've been talking like we're celebrating Christmas. God damn it. Um, so this was one of those one shot on video. So they're trying to cut costs. Uh, the reindeer and the trains were um, offered up for a credit on screen and the closing credits. Those did not cost CBS any money. So the, the reindeer from a local holiday park in California huh. and the trains were from Lionel. So that was all donated. So that actually didn't cost them money. And it, it's like, could you imagine shooting that episode with him becoming Santa without real reindeer? Like that would be <laughs> bizarre, you know? Well, so they would have just shown the sleigh. That's true. But like you, you, you see that and it's like, oh, those are both prominently featured. That's why. Um, someone, <laughs> someone wrote in one viewer was so enraged at the blasphemy of presenting um, uh, Santa as a drunk that they sent outraged letters to Serling the network and several newspapers. So I thought that was funny. Um, well, have you ever, uh, it reminds me of the outrage in the eighties with silent night, uh, deadly night. Yeah. I mean, I, do you remember just with the poster of that, with Santa coming out of the chimney with the ax with his arm coming out of the top of the chimney, yeah, holding the ax. Yeah. yeah. Like that movie got so much flack from parents and from uh, religious groups and everything, just for the same reason. So it, it's funny, 30 years ago, just for drinking alcohol, people were outraged. Right. Then 30 years later, they had a Santa Claus going on a killing spree. <laughs> that's what triggered it. That's what happens, right? Now all bets are off. <laughs> so Surly was talking to a sponsor, and he said, uh, the Christmas show, instead of being the sheer delight I had hoped it would be, turned out to be an inconsequential nothing and i'd rather think it'd be a terrible disappointment to you because he was frustrated that this was one of the scripts that was shot on video so he was not happy with the final product because he knew of the process and that's a bummer that he kind of went forward thinking that this was not like no matter how like it would like the the visual quality it's a bummer that he did not appreciate that his like his best version like of the script showed up you know, but he, yeah, he kinda... I have, I have zero issues with the screen or the teleplay of this episode. Yeah. Like zero. Um, the only bad things I can say about this are the production, but it's not bad enough, especially after coming, like we said, off the of lateness of the hour where it was really bland. Um, it's, it's really not even that bad. 
I just uh, like we were also saying before, um, if it was shot on film, I just I can't even imagine how much of a classic this would be. Yeah, like I like um, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird to get to the, the season and talk to you, and I'm going to wonder what's gonna knock this out of like my top top spot, like. Uh, not to, yeah, I, yeah. I was just going to bring that up. I think this end of the season conversation is going to be a lot more out of left field than the first season was because the first season it was pretty much like, yeah, these are pretty well renowned episodes and these are ones I love. This season's going to be all over the place. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation to see where we fall as far as our favorites and least favorites on these. Absolutely. So, uh, did you have anything else uh, proper to talk about the episode? Because I know we've been, we've talked a long time about this. This is amazing. But yeah, do you Yeah, I just looked out at that time. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we've uh, exhausted this episode. <laughs> okay. So, well, good luck with this. We're going to try to rate the twist. I don't know about anything in this episode, but I'm going to give it a five for how the twist that I felt about this episode that I kind of came in expecting like, eh, it's going to be a stupid Christmas episode. I don't care. And coming out almost in tears, I'm going to give it a five for the twist of my life. I don't think that's, I don't think that's fair to the episode, but like I, the fact that like the twist was the, the, the sack actually gave the toys and he actually got to be Santa that you've watched enough holiday movies and you kind of see that coming. I, it's just something about his performance that really sold it. But I don't. I don't know how to actually rate the twist. Yeah, I similar predicament, especially since I've seen this episode probably twice before. Um, I knew it was coming, and it felt predictable because, like you said, it, it's been done in other Christmas films, which may have been influenced by this episode. It, who knows? Um, yeah, I. I I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm going to give it a three for the twist. Uh, I can see it coming, but I did enjoy this episode again. I'm rating the twist. Um, Yeah, I I think I'm going to go with a three. Hey, I think that that's probably about right. But in my heart, it's a five. So. Um, So, yeah, that that's uh, this is a good episode and I recommend it any time Mm -hmm. of year. But if you guys want to, you know, watch this again during Christmas, I, I this might be something that I might actually put in my rotation. I can see that happening, um, and I'll just I'll just drink and I'll just be sad at the beginning, and then I'll drink <laughs> and be happy at the end. You know, that's yeah. that's what's going to happen. Th- this isn't quite Spartacus. I didn't shed any tears, but uh, something about that music got me every time. This that that little tinkly <laughs> bit. I'm just like, why? Why do I want to ball my <laughs> eyes out right now? It was. It's not something to really admit to, but that's what was going on, you know? Hey, there, there's no shame. I, I think we've talked uh, in previous episodes about movies that's made me cry. <laughs> and uh, Spartacus is one. Um, and uh, this wasn't quite to that level. But it was a really good, really good Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't necessarily feel like it, it It has that Twilight Zone vibe going on. But yeah. Uh, it's a good episode. It's a, it's a good piece of television, regardless. It's closer to the Twilight Zone than Mr. Beavis. That, yes. Like, and I'll yes. say that. I mean, everything is. So Yeah. So <laughs> everything is. Yeah, that's true. Everything is closer to the Twilight Zone than Mr. Beavis. That's your that's your lesson here. So anyway, uh, Kevin, how can people get a hold of us? Um, you can find us on Facebook. Join the conversation on there. And also on Instagram at Strange Highways Podcast. Um, you can leave us voicemails or emails at strange highways podcast at gmail.com. And then we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, 
uh, Satchel, uh, Podbean. You can find us on there, rate and review us, subscribe to us on there. It would definitely help us out. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. Make that make that our Christmas wish that you guys are going and rate and review us. Um, the 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 Stitcher thing you got to go on physically under their site, like type in Stitcher Player into Google, and you can find our show and rate us there. Because uh, you can't really do it for the app, which doesn't make sense to me. But just please do that. That'd be great. Um, yeah, and if your uh, if your Christmas wish is for us to stop doing Twilight Zone uh, next week, there you go. <laughs> your wish might come true. Because uh, next week we're going to be covering for Halloween. Uh, Encounter with the Unknown from 1973, which is uh, uh, kind of a lost film, but it has a narration from Rod Serling and his anthology. So we felt like it would fit directly into what we feel Strange Highways uh, is. And um, since the next Twilight Zone episode is a Western, we thought this would go better with Halloween. So Perfect. happy yeah. Halloween, you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week with Encounter with the Unknown. Yeah. Hello, Jack's place. No, Jack's not here. This is Bruce. Wait a minute. Santa Claus, I catch you trying that one more time. I'm going to break both your arms up to the shoulder blades. Now go on, get out of here. What's that? No, it's just Santa Claus trying to heist the joint. <laughs>